Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Who's that on the other end of the Zoom? Rocking a sick Hawaiian shirt. Why, that's our super producer, the one and only Max Williams. Uh, they call me Ben. Uh, Got to work on a mafia nickname here, Noel. What do, what do you think? Oh, well, one of our guests today's speciality is giving mafia nicknames. So maybe we can hold that for uh, at the end of the episode. Fantastic. And let's even let's do let's revisit it in part two. We have just snuck you a bit of a spoiler, folks. This week's series, we are diving into the stories of boneheads of goons, of ne'er-do-wells. Uh, we are talking about some strange, dumb, dare I say, ridiculous stories from the world of organized crime, and we're not going into this alone, are we, Noel? We're not. That is my name. My name is Noel. Uh, we are joined today by Matt Lieb and Vince Mancini from the incredible Sopranos podcast, the only Sopranos podcast that matters, in my opinion. Pod yourself a gun. Um, I th- I'll let you guys introduce yourselves a little bit further, but uh, Matt and Vince, welcome to Ridiculous History. Hey! hey. What's Max, up? can we get an applause cue? There it is. We're, Thank we're you. imagining it. Thank oh, you. We deserve so that. Good. You did deserve that. Um, so you guys have been doing Pod Yourself a Go, which is a uh, Sopranos rewatch podcast, I guess, for what you're on season five now. Yeah. Uh, how many episodes in is that? That's, that's a lot of apps. It's like 60 something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, at, at, at this point, I've uh, I've stopped counting. I mean, it's um, not a math podcast, so. No. Yeah, exactly. There it is. This is a podcast for people who, uh, you know, they didn't like math in school. You know, what they liked to do in school was uh, listen to Slipknot and watch mafia movies. And uh, that's uh, that's who it's for. 
people. You know who, what? Who you know what's in again now in a big way? Slipknot and Mafia movies. Hey, Those is back. Yeah, they're timeless. Almost. They're timeless. Mm-hmm. People have been listening to Slipknot since the dawn of time. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Their drummer, though. I forget yeah, I was going to say now that he's dead, they're really Joey, yeah. timeless. Yeah, Joey, great drummer. He belongs um, to the universe now. Exactly. Yes. Which is what Slipknot set out to do, I believe. If you, yeah, if yeah. you've watched their documentary that came out in the uh, Cenozoic era, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so with this, we were trying to think of some of the best people to explore the stories of, uh, let's say it, kind of dumb criminals, kind, sure. kind of thick-headed mobsters here, and uh, we had we had one of those moments like in Ghostbusters where they're trying to figure out how to like fight back against Vigo and they all look at the license plate where the Statue of Liberty is and they looked at each other. That was Max Knoll and me, except uh, the Statue of Liberty here was you guys. So we thought, who better to explore these stories with us? And for our ridiculous historians listening along at home, uh, what we did is uh, the four of us, Matt, Vince, Noel, and myself, uh, each each found a, a story or a person that perfectly illustrates just how dumb, <laughs> how dumb the, the mobster game can be or the criminal game in general. And, you know, Matt, you and Vince had come up with uh, with a couple that I had never heard before. And yeah. I can't wait to learn about them with you. Uh, nice. let's see. Yeah, you were you were pretty into the story of a what's this guy's name well his name is uh vincent gigante gigante Uh, yeah who is someone who i had never heard of up until we were doing vince and i were doing an episode of the sopranos in which uh it's you can't really tell if Junior Soprano is actually uh, suffering from dementia or if he's faking it for mm-hmm. uh, the cops. And, you know, it, it's clear that he's definitely faking it in some capacity uh, early on, but then it kind of turns into dementia. Yeah, he and gives himself we were... irony poisoning for, for dementia. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, he was doing... He, did, he got irony poisoning from uh, dementia poisoning. Anyways, uh, he... Uh, uh, Vince at one point mentioned that the storyline was kind of loosely based on this guy, Vincent the Chin Gigante. The Chin. Did, yeah, the Chin, they called him. Uh, who was the, uh, he was the head of the Genovese crime family for 24 years. They said and, this guy uh, could put on pillowcases in like two seconds <laughs> flat. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they called him the Chin uh, for mostly because his mother, uh, who was an Italian immigrant, uh, affectionately called him Chinzino. Uh, which is, it's kind of like Vincent, Vincenzo, Chin, Chinzino. It Mm. it, it goes, this is how mafia names are created. It's sort of like Uh, British rhyming slang, you know? It's exactly uh, right. Yeah, There's Uh a cadence to it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, so, they, yeah, he was called the Chin, but he actually, uh, in later years, uh, he started, you know, being given a different moniker. Uh, He went by another name, The Odd Father, and that's because from uh, 1964... (laughs) To 2003, he pretended in public to be completely uh, shithouse rat insane. <laughs> uh, 
in, in order to avoid prosecution. Uh, I'm going to try to swear less uh, on this on <laughs> no, this podcast. That lasted than I usually a full do. 15 seconds. <laughs> more, so, so. <laughs> more of it, more of it, Matt. We tagged we tagged this with the little e for explicit. All right, good, good. Pretty so sure, this, uh, pretty sure, shit house is in the Bible too. So we're it's fine in the Bible. That. Come on, yeah. that's yeah. what this is the first thing they said about Cain. <laughs> they were like, uh, Cain was shithouse rat insane, and he slew Abel. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he started, uh, he basically acted insane for, like, almost 40 years. Uh, he was in public. He was pissing on stuff. He was walking with a limp. He was dressed <laughs> like a, a homeless guy. Was he the bathrobe guy? He's the bathrobe guy. Oh, he was okay. basically known for being out in Greenwich Village in a bathrobe, slippers, floppy hat, uh, you know, just kind of like muttering to himself, like, I'm walking here. Eat the gabagool. Eat the gabagool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, doing all sorts of crazy nonsense um, to try to throw off the cops. Uh, he was known by the Odd Father, the Crazy Don, Dummy Brasco, the Gobble Fool, <laughs> Goof Fella. <laughs> Don Corley Sloney. I was hoping there was one of those. Yes. <laughs> a- analyze yes. piss. Can I say piss? <laughs> you may, you're you're making yeah, these up. Is, you're making uh, these up. Piss is also in the Bible. Okay, and, good. Uh, if that doesn't work, if that gets bleeped, uh, analyze scat. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he was known by all those names, or at least the first two. Uh, and uh, yeah, he pretended to be crazy. So just. A little bit of background on this guy. So he's the son of Italian immigrants who uh, came to America in the 20s, uh, along with a lot of Italian American immigrants at the time. Uh, And he, you know, he grew up uh, in Greenwich Village, kind of, you know, a mafia neighborhood. Right. So he started his life as kind of a professional boxer. He dropped out of school and he started boxing. He had a record of 21 and four. He was pretty good. That's what you do when uh, you got a really good chin. You know, when you, uh, you know, that's the thing. If you got that strong chin. You get into boxing, uh, although as opposed to a glass jaw, that's the opposite yeah. of a strong chin. Right? Exactly. Okay. You don't you don't want to have a glass jaw. But, uh, you know, his true passion uh, was not for boxing. Ooh. It was for uh, doing murder for the mafia. Got uh, yeah. Also, I guess, method acting a little bit, but uh, <laughs> mostly yeah. doing murder. So uh, at, at the time that, you know, he was uh, coming up, it was kind of the beginning of like the modern mafia. Right. So, you know, if you don't know the story, it's like Lucky Luciano basically created today's modern mafia, the five families. Right. So Vito Genovese uh, was part of the Genovese crime family, but he wasn't the head of it. Right. So Vito Genovese became like basically Gigante's mentor. Uh, you know, he, they were like inseparable. They were homies. You know, they he did murder for him. All that fun stuff. Uh, and uh, Lucky Luciano, uh, actually, when he got deported in the 40s, uh, he named Frank Costello to be the head of the Genovese crime family. Meanwhile, Vito Genovese is like, but it's my name. Why can I not be at the head of the family? And they got into kind of like a little war. And uh, basically, it ended up that Frank Costello like won for a while until uh, Vito Genovese basically ordered uh, the chin, you know, Vincent Gigante to uh, to murder Frank Costello. So he tries to murder him, uh, fails. It kind of just like grazes his skull. But Frank Costello is like, all right, I get the point. And he Mm -hmm. decides to basically quit. And (laughs) then... uh, you know, Genovese actually becomes the head of the Genovese crime family. So, uh, 1959, 
Uh, Gigante and Genovese are both uh, convicted in federal court on charges of like heroin trafficking. And uh, Gigante at that point was sentenced to seven years, which is only half of Genovese's sentence. But that's because the judge read a slew of letters saying that like Gigante was like had really good character and was a very mm-hmm. nice guy. And he worked uh, on behalf of New York City youth. Like, so this is this is the type of guy he was. He, he was, like, buys various... many fine pastries and cured meats for his mom every morning. Exactly. He teaches the kids to box. You know right. what I'm mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to grow up with glass jaws. What do you, exactly. what do you want? You know, when nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Ben, my favorite spring cleaning takeaway is that post-clean clarity that you get where you're like, wow, how have I been living like this? Yeah, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless and Mint Mobile has phone plans for just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Y'all, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. And use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So he's, he's this like good dude, but he still gets time. So he has to serve seven years. And that's when it starts. After his release from prison in 1964, uh, Gigante started toying with the idea of like, what if I pretend to be mentally ill? So he started (laughs) walking the streets of Greenwich Village, pretending to be like disoriented and like mentally unstable and muttering and stuff. That was kind of like the beginnings of it. He was like, "Uh, you know, uh, let's try this out. I'm sorry. I have a quick question. Um, It seems like the kind of thing you would do during a trial to keep from going to prison, but he had already been to prison. Now he was doing this to continue to do murders and crimes and maybe avoid prosecution for further crimes. investment, right? You know, this is my long game, long con. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So uh, my theory is that like he, was able to get a reduced sentence by having people say that he's a really nice guy, but he still had to go to prison. And he was like, all right, so that didn't really work. 
you know, because I'm sure he actually wasn't really a nice guy. I'm sure all those letters were like, gun to your head, say I'm a good person. He's no Bobby uh, Bacala. No, you know, no, no, no. He's okay. no Bobby Bacala. This is uh, this is more of a Richie Aprile type guy, you know, total loose cannon, murder, mm-hmm. everything like that. So I think he realized, like, it's not a good angle trying to convince the judge I'm nice. It's a better angle to convince the judge I'm crazy. So when he gets out, he starts the beginnings of the ruse. He starts walking around, you know, he's got the the robe and slippies on, the weird hat, you know. Uh, and, you know, he's like, he's peeing on stuff. He's talking to parking meters. He's having a grand old time. Um, you was fighting so in the bathtub and laughing your ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's talking to a parking meter while he's peeing on it. Just oh, to, for sure. Know, really for sure. You I deserve mean, you know, this, the way you're looking at me. <laughs> It sort of reminds me of the episode Where's Johnny, where uh, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Junior actually is having, it's the first sign of his true dementia kind of setting in, uh, where he's wandering around in a bathrobe and hanging out with like an older sex worker on a bench who offers him a half and half in the backseat or whatever. Uh, But this definitely seems like they used some of this stuff as an influence for that whole situation. Oh, 100%. It was like, you know, he he is doing an impression of Junior Soprano who actually was suffering from dementia at that point in the series like he's this is for sure what it was based off of um but yeah i mean that was that was his thing but it was kind of like early on in his ruse right so like he was pretending to do it but he was still doing stupid stuff like uh trying to bribe policemen so that's when in 1969 uh, he got uh, indicted on a conspiracy uh, to bribe the the police in exchange for information. And uh, as soon as he was indicted, he was actually um, he uh, was able to make bail and he checked himself into a mental hospital. And that's when his family started to revise his medical history. This is when they started trying to create a paper trail for it. Oh, so like, wow. When he first went to prison, right, like they, they always, you know, have to get a medical history. And his mom would say stuff like, oh, he's perfectly healthy. You know, he's a great kid, blah, 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 wonderful, smart, whatever. And then as soon as he checked into the mental hospital in 69, all of a sudden they started remembering all this, like a host of other mental problems. And it's kind of interesting because from what I was reading at first, they didn't really know what would constitute mental illness. So a lot of the things they were listing were things like he has a severe temper. He's afraid of the dark. He, <laughs> he has been truant from school. Uh, and my favorite one, he was at one time obese. None of these things our mental illness. (laughs) So uh, at some point, I assume they consulted with like an actual doctor. And that's when they started uh, settling on the idea of him being a paranoid schizophrenic. So in 1969, his lawyers presented the reports from psychiatrists at his trial saying that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. And he was actually, he was declared unfit to stand for trial and the charges against him were dropped. So the incompetence act actually worked. And it continued. It continued to work for another 30 years. What ended up happening is, uh, is from this point on, he just never dropped the I'm crazy act. He just was always outside in a robe, slippies, floppy hat, pissing on stuff, you know, eating his own doo-doo, whatever they do, right? <laughs> so, uh, and it, in one instance, uh, like agents were serving him a subpoena and they found Gigante standing naked <laughs> in the shower, holding an umbrella. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like you do. That's, yeah. I mean, no, you know, I mean, come on. 
This yeah, feels I mean, like you know. such a Looney Tunes caricature <laughs> right, right, of insanity. It's like, you know what would look really crazy <laughs> if I was out in the shower, but I had an umbrella. You go in the shower to get wet on purpose. This is and perfect. I'm on the inside of the house, foolproof. I, I, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So I wear the shoes on my hands and the pants <laughs> on the top of my body. <laughs> it's pretty much me and Machiavelli at this point. I, I do have a question. I, yeah. I do have a question. Um, sure. And maybe this is something we we answer toward the toward the end. But sure. Matt, uh, one of the things that occurs to me uh, when we're getting really into is Day Lewis level acting on the on mm-hmm. the method front. Um, boxing has tremendous potential to damage someone's cognitive functions over time. Do you think that this could have played some sort of role? I don't think the science was really there for people to investigate that. Well, I also want to, I also want to know like how, aside from the doctoring of the records and maybe them playing into that, maybe this is an example of like with Junior where he was sort of faking it at first and then gradually did succumb to to serious mental decline. Is it sort of a combination of those two things or where's the proof that we're like, oh, he definitely was playing up until the bitter end? I mean, even just the quarantine, I feel like has ruined my ability to like hold in burps and farts in public. Like I've sort of totally like I almost lost the ability because I haven't had to do it for so long. I can only imagine what it'd be like if you're trying to pretend to be crazy for an extended period of time. Yeah. If you're once you're comfortable, like doing a little pee pee in the middle of the street Mm -hmm. in front of strangers, like you end up being a guy who's like, I'm sorry. I just pissed my pants. I, I usually do that on purpose. And at this point, I've trained my bladder to pee every time I sense danger. Uh, <laughs> so I imagine that. Uh, and and I also think like a little bit of it is like, I don't think it's CTE. I don't think he had like some sort of brain damage from his fights or anything like that. Okay. Um, I, you know, or at least his family doesn't think that. And uh, the FBI, but I mean, who would trust the FBI? I do think, though, that there's an argument to be made that if you pretend to be totally insane, you know, for however long, for 40 years, like that's a form of insanity just to oh, just yeah. to pretend. You know what I mean? Like you have to be kind of crazy to think that this is a life worth living. It kind of like defeats mm. the purpose of being in the mafia. It's like, don't you want to be a tough guy walking down the street and just being like, hey, I'm walking, you know. Oh, like, surely you know? this didn't sit well with his like peers. They probably he was like a laughing stock. Or do you think they thought he was a genius? I'm 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 interested. So as far as I can tell, uh, they were early on, they were like, hey, this is actually a pretty good idea. But there were some tapes uh, of, uh, you know, like people doing wiretaps and whatnot in which they started to complain uh, about like uh, him basically doing the crazy act and mm-hmm. like uh, how <laughs> it's it, it's difficult to like to talk to him, you know, uh, for extended periods of time. It's like doing uh, a movie with Jared Leto, you know, where he's just right, constantly exactly. like shitting in boxes <laughs> and exactly. like handing it to you. Like, ha, ha, I'm a crazy clown exactly. man. Exactly. You know? I'm going to say yeah. it. No disrespect, but umbrellas are for outside. You know? <laughs> exactly. Well, it reminds me, like, I have a 12-year-old daughter and like her whole peer group and like Gen Z or whatever, like they're all about like ironic humor and liking things ironically. But of after course. a time, right? I mean, we all are. But after a time, if you love something ironically, don't you just love the thing like isn't that really you just kind of become Mm -hmm. that thing irony poisoning yeah it reminds me when i first started watching it's always sunny in philadelphia like Mm -hmm. i don't know a decade ago uh you know and i started 
ironically saying bro uh, because I just loved the timing of the way that they said bro. And then after maybe two months, I was just genuinely earnestly saying bro at the end of every other sentence. Same, dude. I am, oh, no. I am cursed with bro. I can't stop. I can't stop bro. with bro either. Know, and at this yeah. point, I've, I've come to accept myself as someone sure. who says bro. Yeah, uh, I legitimately you know. like uh, the song All Star by Smash Mouth now just yeah. because <laughs> I've played it in so many situations as a joke that like the song mm. legitimately brings me joy now. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it comes on and I get excited about it. <laughs> you yeah. programmed yourself, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, uh, you know, and I, I think there's a level of that um, with uh, Vincent the Chin Gigante where he was, um, I think, you know, he, I think he was driving himself a little it's bit crazy. It's kind of funny because the lead singer of uh, Smash Mouth was actually named Vincent the Chinstrap uh, Gigante. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he changed it to Steve Harwell for some reason. And that yeah. dude also is known for driving himself insane for responding to every troll <laughs> of All Star on Twitter, like legitimately with like absolute uh, indignation. Like, no, we had other hits too. We're not just famous because of Shrek. Uh, we had we... Walking on the Sun. He was also he was like the version of a uh, Trump reply guy where he was convinced that Trent Balky, who was like the worst GM of the 49ers ever, he was he was always like he was like the number one. Uh, Trent Balky de- defender where he's like no no he's playing 10 dimensional chess you guys just can't understand it right now <laughs> that's weird because that's a that's a different sport but I think you're you're making a fantastic point because that there is something inherently off about deciding this is not just a short term strategy but a long-term strategy and and Vincent's kind of rewarded because getting off on an insanity plea is so fucking rare. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I I can't blame him for doubling down at that point, but I think you're right. It does have consequences cognitively. It it has consequences, but it keeps you out of the can. And that, and it really did keep him out of the can for, for decades. I mean, this guy was, uh, and I guess it was what was so funny about it is that this, simultaneously uh, kept him out of lockup for years while actually being the most obvious fake ploy in the world. Like, cops would talk about the fact that, like, because they they were monitoring him, right? Like, the Mm. FBI, they wouldn't just see him in public. The FBI, their whole thing is also monitoring you in private. So just uh, here's, like, a little slice of, like, the day in the life of uh, Vincent the Chin Gigante. So in the early evening, Mr. Gigante would emerge from his mother's walk-up apartment uh, and uh, he would be dressed in a bathrobe and pajamas and windbreaker sometimes, shabby trousers, always, you know, looking like dog shit and accompanied by some some bodyguards. And he would, you know, cross the street over uh, to the Triangle Civic uh, Improvement Association, this dingy storefront. And he would, you know, do the whole walk where he's just like, "Eh, I'm crazy. Everything is, uh, you know, math is backwards or whatever. And then as soon as he would get in there, um, he started playing Pinochle. He had conversations. You know, he was talking to his Confederates and he was planning stuff. You know, it was like, uh, it was clear that as soon as he entered inside he would be normal and then after midnight he uh would get outside again oh i'm just a crazy guy he would go over 
to his Gumar's house, and uh, then he would immediately dress in very nice clothing, have nice dinners, uh, hang out with his kids, and, uh, you know, like, carry on conversations and watch some TV, be totally normal. And they were seeing this. They were just like, this is fake. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, uh, then, of course, he would go to sleep. And the next morning, he would do it all over again, walk outside, I'm going to get a peanut. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then do some, you know, plan some crimes. So not nearly as clever as, like, verbal Kent losing the limp and becoming Kaiser Soze. You know what I mean? No, I was, uh, but also he was basically just doing a He a just Soze walks down act. the street and the doo-doo goes back in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> the front gets the front drives off. <laughs> the parking meter really could talk. All yeah. He realized he, he was just reading from the bulletin board the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. from the coffee mugs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's this great quote from the former director of uh, the New York State Organized Crime Task Force, Ronald Goldstock, where he, because he would monitor him, and he said, "quote It was hard to understand." what enjoyment he got out of being a mob boss, which I think is <laughs> wow. is, is absolutely true because it just seems like absolute torture to be like, God damn it, I forgot to go get milk at the store. Okay, I'm going to eat the, uh, my own dog. Like, as he's walking. <laughs> like, that sucks. So, yeah, he continued to do this public, uh, you know, ruse uh, for the rest of his mafia career, pretty much, um, until eventually he was, uh, you know, a jury of his peers were like, quit playing with us. We know you're, yeah. you're freaking lying over here. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win three spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! (laughs) 
So under Gigante's leadership, basically in 1980, he became the head of the Genovese crime family. Um, and uh, his like criminal enterprise brought in a hundred million dollars a year at a time. This is in the seventies or in the, in the, when is eighties? In the seventies and eighties. Yeah. That's crazy money. Wow. Yeah. The most lucrative mafia enterprise in American history. So this crazy guy was actually the most successful mob boss. But of course in the eighties, we have like the beginnings of the whole John Gotti era. Right. And uh, you know, John Gotti ended up basically uh, I think he himself uh, ordered the hit on Big Paul uh, Castellano, um, and they didn't ask the commission and whatnot. And uh, the chin was outraged at Gotti. He tried to kill him a few times, you know. And and Gotti took over the Gambino crime family, so he fucking he he hated John Gotti. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tried to have him killed. Uh, he got close. Um, in an effort to kill John Gotti, uh, he uh, he did a bombing that killed his underboss, Frank DeChico, and badly injured a John Gotti lookalike who was mistakenly targeted. Um, was that which, was Frank was Frank DeChico, Frankie the Cheek DeChico? Because that would be good. I mean, I would assume that was what they would call him. It would be crazy if he was like Frankie. It'd be a missed opportunity. If yeah. It's better than Frankie Cheeks. That's just. That's yeah. taking it in a different direction. Ooh, Frankie great. Cheeks is the name of, I think, a the uh, gay porn star that I really, really like. Uh, follow their Instagram. It's follow great. their <laughs> lot of political commentary. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. Um, so yeah, uh, he tried to kill John Gotti. Didn't work out. Uh, so finally, in 1990, uh, Gigante was indicted on some federal charges uh, in Brooklyn. You know, for a bunch of stuff like all, all of the normal mafia crap which is just like you know he was skimming off the top of this labor union and like you know uh, he had like a window scam like every window that was built in new york and new construction he would get like 50 percent or something it was just like this ridiculous ticky tack stuff that earned lots of money so he got indicted and uh you know of course at his arraignment, uh, he appeared in court in pajama, bathrobe, you know, a peaked cap, you know, just really going for like really Looney Tunes level craziness. Um, and he actually was tried separately because for the next seven years, uh, they basically, you know, uh, tried, they put his competence on trial. There are seven years of legal battles to be like, this guy's not crazy. Um, and then finally, in 1997, a bunch of turncoat mafiosos, ex-mafiosos, led by uh, ex-Gotti underboss Salvatore Sammy the Bull Gravano, uh, they basically snitched and said, you know, this is this is all fake. This is uh, Gigante's, you know, the head of the Genovese crime family. He's on the commission, you know, all that stuff. And, and the trial in 97 was like a crazy spectacle. Like he was in a wheelchair. He was mumbling. Uh, he was pretending he didn't know what was going on, you know, just like, I, I was eating the gobble and the gobble didn't come, with it. you know, he's doing his whole thing. <laughs> and um, his lawyers were like, killed them all? Of course I did. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he was doing the Robert Durst thing. <laughs> just peeing on um, the snack bar at the, <laughs> at the right age. Quote, quoting Slipknot lyrics, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, and then... Um, yeah. Uh, so at one point during this trial, there was the, uh, quote, battle of the wheelchairs in which, uh, you know, uh, another wheelchaired old man, Peter Chiodo, uh, a 300 pound mobster, uh, testified against him. Now, this guy had survived the gangland execution because, quote, 
his fat stopped a dozen bullets. So uh, it's good to know that if you gain enough weight, you become bulletproof. That's a superpower. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, pre it's pretty sick. Um, so the the jury ended up in '97 going, uh, "We're convicting you. You're not crazy." Even after this conviction, he spent six more years pretending he was crazy. It took him six See? years. See, case in point, my friend, I swear to God, he was actually, he had drunk his own Kool-Aid and was now, like, the ruse had failed yeah. clearly in a huge way, but he couldn't break the the habit. He had like, he's got a, he's got an itch for this now. He can't not do it. I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's just, you know, he's a method guy and he's just like, I'm not losing this. And, you know, but he actually did finally admit it after, you know, Six years of Jeez, in prison. Louise. Wow! In uh, April two thousand three, at someone, a hearing, someone should just make a movie where Jared uh -huh. Leto plays like a hermit and just keep telling him that it, that it keeps getting postponed. You know, and like he's, you, know, you gotta keep, <laughs> you gotta stay in character, man. It's like we got postponed again. You just gotta stay in your house for a little longer. Don't come out. It's gonna be amazing, <laughs> yeah. Jared. It's gonna be oh, amazing. It's gonna be so. You're gonna get a double Oscar somehow for acting. <laughs> It's going to be first ever in history. Just stay inside. Bye. We'll tell you when. Yeah. You're uh, finally going to get the Oscar for playing someone with mental illness. That's so it's hard. Everyone shoots for it. Yeah. They always fall flat on their face. You know, I am Sam and all that. I yeah, think yeah, the yeah. only what was the only one that it really worked for? It was, I guess, Rain Man, maybe. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Um, no, Forrest Gump. Forrest, okay. Gump. Yeah. Well, Forrest Gump, you could argue, was a savant kind of. Well, That's I guess true. so was Rain. So stupid was Rain is Man. stupid does. I well, mean, we're going to we're going to turn yeah. into Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's and why that's such a brilliant satire. I, none I of those uh, none of those folks, though, uh, were also real life mob bosses. No, that's they, true. Yeah. yeah. You have to you have to really give credit where credit is due here because he was doing this not to prepare for a role. He was doing <laughs> this because he was like, I really, really enjoy messing with the fbi i mean and, uh, if tom hanks is to, a mob yeah. boss i think chet is chet hayes is definitely the aj like that's mm -hmm. the oh 100 100 yeah chet hayes is aj soprano uh all grown up and uh in an age of tiktok oh boy uh, but uh yeah so no he actually did uh admit the insanity uh ruse uh in april uh 2003 he was you know it was, like, uh, it was a bit um, and, uh, yeah, after 40 years of public craziness, uh, Gigante calmly pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice for this, uh, entire deception. Um, and I, I just want to end here with, um, a quote from, uh, Jerry, uh, Capeshi. Uh, he was a mafia expert and author of six books on organized crime. The Looney Tunes act served Gigante well. It kept him out of prison for years, but in the end, he was the victim of his own crazy act. He never had a chance to enjoy the fruits of his plunder, and he told some people that if given the chance, he wouldn't do it that way again. Oh. <laughs> huh. okay. Hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty, especially when you've been like doing this thing for 40 years. That is wild. He would <laughs> No, that, that's what I was thinking the whole time is like how how is he enjoying the fruits of his like criminal no. labors or no. whatever? He would buy fine alligator shoes only to have to doo-doo on them. Right. <laughs> it's very exactly. monkey's paw, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it really, yeah, really is. He got his wish. That's yeah. that's an amazing. Um, it's an amazing story, Matt. And maybe 
uh, maybe it is a bit of a cautionary tale mm-hmm. for yeah. some of our ridiculous historians. You know, you can be more than the bathrobe and the doo-doo. There is yeah. such a thing as overcommitting to the bit, and I think this is yeah. the case for that. Is, is this dramatized? In it? I know there's a lot of gaudy movies. There's, like, the real bad one that's apparently delightfully bad with oh, uh, yeah. Travolta, and then there's the one with uh, Armand Asante, I guess, that was mm-hmm. uh, uh, an HBO thing from the 90s. Is this character, uh, have we seen anybody play this guy? Uh, apparently, yeah. Apparently, he was um, also shown in the movie The uh, Godfather of Harlem, uh, where Vincent D'Onofrio plays him. Okay. Oh, mm. that's some prestige casting right there. Yeah. And there was like a Law and Order episode uh, where they had a basically someone inspired by Gigante. Uh, um, less prestige, but okay, respectable. Yeah. Yeah. Fascia and, fascia. Yeah, that's that. That is exactly right. And uh, and then of course the like you said the the bad gaudy movie made by who made that was it E or Turtle e, yeah it was that? E from Entourage okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all five boroughs the Bronx Manhattan Staten Island <laughs> Brooklyn and Queens together they make a fist he That's names them fist. all out as the best actually the best line from that movie that will never leave my head is uh, in this life you either end up dead or in jail. Me, I done both. <laughs> it reminds me of a line from, I think it's Carlito's Way. I've never even seen the movie, and I think it's <laughs> it's apparently pretty good. But there's a line from the trailer where it's like, and it's like and I always wondered whether it was better to be loved or to be feared. I prefer to be feared. <laughs> Something along those lines. It's yeah. like the most obvious shit. It's on like, the what is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, it goes something like this. It's like, no, that's not <laughs> the point of the question. I mean, okay. I love it. So we're we're talking about a larger than life character, and the world of organized crime has so many of these. I don't know if all of them are going to be. I'll say it as amazing, Matt. Uh-huh as Gigante, but uh, we also have some larger-than-life events because when we're talking about boneheaded things, we're not just talking about people being boneheaded or going a little to Daniel Day-Lewis. We're also talking about people doing things that are clearly bad, bad ideas. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. 
Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! I was cracking up, peek behind the curtain, when Noel and I were looking into this. Noel, I think we we had stumbled across a story that that we both loved. That I don't know about you, man. I had never heard about this until prepping for this episode. And no, I had crazy. neither. Um, and we're gonna move from New York uh, mob territory to Chicago, where the nice. mob was referred to as the outfit, or at least the particular. And you know, again, the mob. To your point, Lucky Luciano. That was. Wasn't that a Chicago guy? Because that was he was buds with Al Capone and they split. Al Capone was definitely a Chicago guy, but like Lucky I Luciano. Think Lucky was the New York guy, but he started the He started under Al and then they like went their separate ways and they became kind of adversaries. I'm I'm, I'm literally thinking in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, it's uh, been a while terms. since I've seen Boardwalk yeah. Empire, mm-hmm. so I don't remember exactly, but it feels right. So this guy, his name is uh, Don Accardo, or he goes by uh, Tony the Big Tuna Accardo. Oh, the Big um, Tuna. He's yeah. the Big Tuna. And, <laughs> like, um, isn't that from The Office? <laughs> well, yeah, he's like, you know, what's that word? He's like reeling him in, reeling, because he gets that one, he gets a, a, a tuna salad one day, and now he becomes Big Tuna. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is pre The Office, though. This is like in the, you know, in the 60s, uh, maybe even earlier, I mean, definitely earlier, because Accardo was early uh, running crew mates with um, Al Capone in Chicago. So Accardo actually kind of came up under him. He even, there was an attempt on Al Capone's life that I also believe was dramatized in uh, Boardwalk Empire, and mm-hmm. Accardo, like, dove on top of his his you know mentor and like you know shielded him from the bullets and he wasn't killed but he stuck around and ended up becoming like the biggest name in the outfit uh for many years even after he was older he was not necessarily like day-to-day running things but he was known he was like the guy that you feared and he had this situation where he had this amazing home in, in a bougie neighborhood in Chicago. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have been to Chicago, but uh, it gets really, really, really cold uh, in the winter. Like oh, they yeah. have this thing called the polar vortex. Um, it's bonkers. It's like absolutely unlivably cold there. So yeah, it's a weird know. thing that there's a whole city there. Cause uh, mm-hmm. I have my, my cousins and, you know, aunt and uncle live out there and they live there and they describe it as unlivable. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they built the the whole city one summer. No one right. knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. By that point, they got the skyscrapers and everything, right. and it's like they fast tracked it. And then they're like, yeah. "Well, what do we do? What do we do? We're yeah, here we now. built it during the spring when it was, uh, <laughs> you know, a moderate temperature, and then all of a sudden it was the hottest and coldest place in the world. And we said, "Well, we already built the Sears is this Tower. A, is this mm-hmm. a Game of Thrones type scenario where like summer lasts for like fifty years, and then <laughs> yeah, there's one, one winter?" 
Okay, well, let's, let's just assume that that's the case. So Accardo um, is vacationing in California. This is in the uh, 70s, in the late 70s. In fact, January 6th of 1978. And a crew of, you know how the mafia has, like, there's made guys, which yeah. is a thing. You know, you've got, like, your top guys, your earners, your um, your capos. There's a whole structure to it. I believe you have the, um, you know, there's the boss, then there's underbosses, then there's capos, then there's soldiers. Is that right? Is that about yeah, right? Yeah, you got friends of yeah. ours, and you got friends of mine, and exactly. then uh, friends of Dorothy, which are the gay mob- mobsters, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that okay? Is that like a like a veto reference, or did you just make the, that was good? That was good. That was good. Yeah. Friends um, of Dorothy, it's a thing. Okay, That's a thing it. from back in the day. Yeah, it's, I, I would not doubt it. Uh, one one scrap, but um, so he's vacationing in California, and this crew um, that they've used, you know, his his whole organization, the outfit, has used to do all of these heists and robberies, rob his house. This guy, this very, very dangerous guy, he actually got the nickname Johnny Batters um, because he was known for, like, cracking Baking skulls some cakes. Oh, with sorry. a baseball. <laughs> no, that was cute. That was good, and it's certainly <laughs> possible. But no, in fact, it was because of a thing that we also often see uh, attached to Al Capone. Al Capone was fond for cracking skulls with a, with a baseball bat. Nice. Um, he probably learned that from his, his, uh, his uh, mentor, Al Capone. But mm-hmm. Johnny Batters, um, and he... Very much a scary, scary guy, even as an old man. Can you imagine being menaced by a super old, scary mob guy like that? Yeah. Like, you look at it him and you see... all the time. Well, I'm sorry for you on that front, Ben, but for me, like, you see him, you, see, you think they're so innocuous, and then they always... I think of, like, uh, Feech, uh, Feech Lamana, for example. Sure. You look at him, he's this frail old man, Robert Loggia, and then mm. he just starts kicking you in the dick, you know, right mm. in the... You're just trying to cut your lawns, <laughs> you know? He's saying, this belongs to my nephew now, and then he just yeah. kicks you in the dick repeatedly and breaks your arm. That would be the most uh, PTSD-inducing kind of trauma that I could possibly imagine. Absolutely. So um, you, you underestimate these old-timers, and then they absolutely are a total psychopaths. Yeah. So this guy, at this point, he's longer in the tooth, and he uh, is you know, kind of in his twilight years, and this crew knocks over his house. Why do they do that, you might ask? Well, I'll oh, tell you. Why do they do that, Noel? You might ask that, and uh, I might have an answer for you. Why do they do that? Oh, my God. Um, I definitely have an answer. So um, at this point, you know, uh, Cardo, he's got friends. He's not necessarily, like, actively involved in racketeering anymore. He's feels like he's dodged the, you know, the uh, the long arm of the law, and he's just, like, living out his twilight years with his wife and vacationing in California and all that stuff. Um, he has a jeweler friend mm. who has had a heist you know, done to his place of business and all of these jewels and uh, cash bundles and gold and diamonds all knocked off from this dude's uh, establishment on Christmas of 1977. And the the crew that did it was was uh, led by this guy named John Mendel, who was known as um, John the Bypass Man Mendel, which kind of sounds like a cool like hacker nickname. You know, sure. this is in the <laughs> 70s, and it was it was referring to the fact that he could disarm any um, uh, alarm system. That was his oh, whole deal. That's that shocking is, that he wasn't just some mobster who'd had bypass surgery. That's what I assumed <laughs> it was. From too much gabagool. Too much, that's all the nitrates. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You got it, yeah. Vinny Mangina Gigante. Sorry, Angina. <laughs> <laughs> yep. also they call true. him the hernia, but don't ask about it when you meet him. <laughs> 
So uh, the owner of this jewelry store is friends with Johnny Bats. That's not his name. It was, what did I say? Uh, Johnny Batter. Or, uh, anyway, Accardo. Um, and he uh, asks him, you know, he, he entreats him, please, Don, you know, intervene on my behalf. Like, give me back my stolen goods. Sort of like the episode where one of Tony's poker buddies has his uh, daughter's wedding hit mm-hmm. by Feats Lamana, and they steal all these like fine cars. Yeah. And then that guy comes to Tony and says, "Hey, they they stole my brother's whatever it was, some special car that it took him ages to get on the list for. His glasses <laughs> and his day planner were in there. Like I love that. That's like the thing that he bitches about. Now who's um, the genius for keeping his regal? That's what- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one so of the similar. Dudes- the party yeah, says 100 because he has the the, the worst car and the, it's the only one that car. doesn't get sold the, the american car um so this is a very similar situation the jeweler uh entreats uh cardo to like get him his stuff back and he does he makes bypass man return all his stuff so the bypass man is understandably uh a little sore about this mm. i don't know if it was an off the books deal because you would think a guy like a cardo would have been you know aware of all of these but in sopranos it was feach going rogue so right. i wouldn't be surprised if it was a similar situation where it was this guy going out on his own and doing a thing that ended up stepping on toes yeah and then he gets his wrist slapped so they do return the stuff but he takes it very 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 personally and he decides to get even in the stupidest way possible which is by breaking into this legacy don's home while he's away and stealing a whole bunch of shit Mm -hmm. so as you can imagine it leads to an absolute bloodbath just, you know, the worst kind. You know, everybody from his crew is targeted. Uh, first is is the bypass man, who is found with his throat slashed ear to ear and, I believe, shot in the head. They're, they usually have, like, a, a two-part execution, just to be sure. Just to make hey, sure they don't... bypass man, just bypass to be sure. this. Bypass bang, bang. this. That's probably what they said. Exactly. I hope they said bang, bang. Exactly. Make sure everybody knows what's happening. <laughs> bang, bang. Yep. Bye, bye. So on uh, January 15th, um, the bypass man is, uh, is he's disappeared. Yeah. Uh, they find him in the trunk of his car. He has been stabbed. His throat's been slit. And, and he's also been strangled to death. Excuse me, I got that wrong. Then five days later, um, after he went missing, they didn't find his body for a long time. His second in command, this guy named Bernard Buddy Ryan, uh, was found dead behind the wheel of his own car, which is such a classic mafia trope. You know, yeah. finding someone slumped over with the head shot, brains yeah. on the passenger window. Totally Makes it clear it's this. not a robbery. A hundred percent. Exactly. Um, then that guy's right-hand man, a dude named Stevia Garcia, he made it a, couple, a little oh, bit longer, on, I think. Stevia? Yeah, please, go ahead. Stevia. 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 This is my no. cousin, Nutrasweet Chavez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They got out of the mafia eventually. They, okay, uh, I'm not, they're yeah, in the I'm, sweeteners. I'm not going to lie. This is Johnny Sweet and Low Capone. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, all, we all agreed we were going to have a beer with this one. I think I may have misread Stevie as Stevia, but I love that. <laughs> oh, so, so, so very much. Oh. Wouldn't that be amazing if his name was Stevie Stevia Garcia? This was oh. pre-Stevia, though, I got to say. I it's may canon. cause cancer. I don't know. <laughs> Do people still think that about... Oh, yeah, sweeteners. you know what? That's Only the, if you feed it in yeah. truckloads to well, lab that's rats. The, that's yeah. the really tense part of the moment, you know, of the yeah. executions, where it's like, you know, they uh, say I give people cancer and bad for your health if you're <laughs> a rat. 
Bang, bang, indeed. And they find him in the trunk of his own car. That's a thing, too. We see a trope where it's like dudes mm -hmm. get stuffed into the trunks of their own car. I guess just to, like, you know, keep the, the, the authorities from finding them right away. I mean, eventually they find them, of course. Uh, and this was in the parking lot of a Sheraton hotel, which nice. I don't think of as like a legacy thing, but I guess there were Sheratons in the in the seventies. Maybe they go back farther than I realized. Well, this is um, um uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's Chicago, right? It's Chicago O'Hare Airport. So is, is Sheraton a Chicago thing? Well, I mean, again, I'm basing everything I know off of Boardwalk Empire, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that there's also a uh, like Irish mafioso uh, named Sheridan. So. Uh, you know, I'm just putting pieces together from uh, old yeah. HBO shows that I don't remember. We've got well, our HBO conspiracy board. The, exactly. the red threads. The, There's a the red thread from a random person I remember to a Sheraton hotel. Yeah, the Sheraton hotel is spelled with a T, and I would think the Irish version would be spelled with a D. Maybe? Yeah, but they're trying to throw off the police. That could you know be right. I mean? That could be right. Perfect plan. Yeah. So he's he's found in the trunk on February 2nd. Then on February 4th, we've got Vince Moretti, who was uh, the fence for that burglary crew, mm -hmm. um, and a friend of his, an associate named Don Reno. They get, uh, I guess, I'm not quite sure exactly how, but they're lured in some sort of ruse to a bar in Cicero in Illinois, yeah. and they are uh, beaten to death, um, uh, you know, and... Uh, and the guy that was with him, this buddy, Ren, uh, his name is Don Reno, not Don like he's a boss. His name's just actually oh, Don. Oh, it's Donald. Short for Donald. <laughs> That's yeah. unfortunate. Um, Hopefully, exactly. nominative determinism kicks in. He had absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the robbery. He just happened to be with this guy and got also curb stomped uh, at no, this no, bar. I'm not right. My name no, is no, Donald. No, no, Donald. Yes, no, boom. I was crunch. told there was a Slipknot concert at this bar. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and this they one up, actually they end has up a, murdering Don Donald Duck because they're like, oh, it's Don Duck over here. No, 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 I'm a cartoon. <laughs> I, I wish I could do a Donald Duck voice. That's a really hard voice to That's do. That's a hard voice. It's, it's a hard. really hard voice. Um, so they actually, there's a really sexy name for this one. It's called the Strangers in the Night Murders. Nice. Um, and that's because in a very, very cinematic turn, very Sopranos-esque, the Johnny Mathis song, Strangers in the Night, was playing on the jukebox as Moretti and Reno are curb stomped wow. in, inside. I mean, I guess there's no curbs inside a bar, but it reminds me of the scene where uh, Tony uh, stomps Coco yeah. in that Italian restaurant. That is a nasty piece of work right there, by the yeah. way. I, there's no way he would have survived that. I, that always I was a little suspect of that. He literally makes him bite the edge of this like you know piece of furniture and right. stomps his head, and then you see teeth and blood flying everywhere, and they imply that he was not killed, but I feel like that would crush a person's skull if your mouth is on it. Like in, uh, what's that movie? American, American History, History X. X. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Coco is a big, strong man. and uh, Big, you strong know, jaw. Like, he probably had a strong chin. Yeah. That's was, it. Yeah. Jaw is the most powerful muscle in the human body. I thought, that was, I thought that was the heart. Aw. That's sweet, man. <laughs> well, the second thing I was going to say is I thought that was the dick. <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking that. <laughs> it depends um, on your mobster. Someone's <laughs> like, oh, he skipped jaw day. Fuck. <laughs> Max right now is face bombing. Like, I got to cut so much out of this. <laughs> no, no, we're going to we're going to do a little like we're going to. I've been watching the show Ted Lasso on um, uh, Apple yeah, TV. It. Yeah. It's fantastic. I adore it. But there's a thing that the soccer uh, commentators always say where they say, we apologize for all the fruity language. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do a similar disclaimer before this one where we're going to say there's going to be 
some fruity language in this episode. I, I have a question, though. Yeah, please. All right. So uh, this is clearly an, a series of murders meant to send a message, and it's mm -hmm. happening over a number of days, right? And the message is the message is pretty simple. You don't mess with Tony Accardo, or you don't mess with Big Tuna. But why did none of these people run away? I understand the first guys who got murdered probably didn't see it coming. But at some point, wouldn't you be like, huh, a lot of people are getting killed. A lot of people that I kicked it with. Could they not afford to get out of town? Could they? Were they like, surely this won't affect me? Or what, what happened? It's a good question. I think it goes back to the topic of this two-part episode that a lot of these dudes are kind of dumb and yeah. kind of like up their own asses and like think that they're like invincible. It's like, you right. know, they do, they literally brag about this stuff probably, honestly. I, I don't think, I mean, even Tony Soprano, the relatively smartest dude in the show is kind of dumb. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and that's sort of the point. You're sort of seeing this culture of bravado and posturing and not actual smarts. It's street smarts, but I, I don't, I mean, you know, even Tony only goes to ground when literally all of the people closest to him get whacked. I'm sorry, can we... Spoilers for the Sopranos, which is now twenty years old. Um, no, no such it, thing. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, there's I, some I other. Mean, yeah, go ahead, please. I mean, maybe like, uh, you know, I first of all, I think that if you're in the mafia um, for an extended period of time, uh, then at some point you do just look at yourself as bulletproof because mm. you have just survived so many near misses and so many uh, people, you know, who are like getting shot and all that stuff that you kind of like you uh you convince yourself that uh, you're able that you're invincible and you're able to do what you want but also how much of this crew was made? I assume none of them, right? No, no. It's funny. In fact, um, I wanted to just mention something uh, about Accardo himself. Mm -hmm. He was made, but mm -hmm. it was sort of a, a note in a lot of the stuff that I read about this where they didn't do the ceremony where you burn the saint and prick your finger and all ah. that. It was done with more of a handshake. So I'm sure there were some that maybe yeah. questioned that. It was like that. the and, second part of uh, Weird Science when they didn't put the Playboy... <laughs> In with the machine, right. and then they got exactly. the bomb instead. Exactly. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the guy, maybe, I guess what I'm getting at is maybe that gave this guy a bigger axe to grind in terms of, like, you will respect me even mm. though I didn't burn the saint. If anyone's listening, I don't know, uh, Matt, you want to talk about what it means to get made and anything you know about that term? I've always wondered where that term even comes from. Yeah, so all, all I know about the term, uh, or at least to the technical implications of being made are that uh when you get made which is this obviously the ceremony that has like burning of a, a saint and uh you know you prick your finger and you take an oath saying like i promise i won't be a snitch once you're made then uh someone hitting you or or trying to kill you is like a lot harder because you can't hit a made guy uh, you can't kill a made guy without getting permission. Um, and uh, you're basically just a protected person. Now you are like officially in the mafia. And there's a lot of people in the mafia who are kind of associates in the mafia. They're soldiers and whatnot who are not made people who are trying to. It's basically. Um, it's like tenure. 
It's like tenure. I was going to say for a stand-up comic, it's like trying to get passed at a club. Uh, it's like, you know, yeah. You <laughs> or get like to be go under up. contract. You're under contract right. now or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you, you get to go up at like some shows, but you're not a paid regular until, you know, the, the booker sees you and goes like, all right, you are now a part of the club. You can put your name on the wall. So it's like, uh, it, yeah, it's a place of. Um, and then they, they make you hold your hands out while they burn a whoopee cushion. In your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, and I think that ceremony is probably uh, pretty aristocrats heavy, but with, <laughs> no, with sure. A, yeah, with a made man, I, from what I remember, uh, everything you just said, Matt, is spot on. But for a while, at least in the earlier days, one also had to be either fully Sicilian or right. fully Italian. Fully, yes. Yeah. There were like Irish or Jewish mobs. They had to be able to made men. trace your ancestry back to the old country and like no. And that's why uh, what's right. his name's character Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas could never be a made man. He was right, always yeah. just beneath that, but he like was so valuable that he was treated that way. But he knew he could never be made because I think he had Irish uh, right because he's Irish and it was the same thing. I think with um, uh, Robert De Niro's character, he also uh, couldn't be made because he was like half Irish or something. Henry right. Hill and Jimmy Conway. Right. There he is. But Joe Pesci, he could be made, uh, and he almost was, uh, and then, uh, you know, bullet to the back of the skull. Um, he kind of had it coming, man. That guy's a real piece of work. Oh, he's a real piece of work, that yeah. man. Uh, but but really, really quickly, just to, to wrap this up, um, he, what ended up happening was, like often happens, and I'm really glad we had this made conversation because no, none of these dudes were made, therefore they were absolutely expendable, and that extended to his inner circle. Uh, he started then bumping off people that did the hits to cover his tracks oh, to wow. the FBI. So yeah. he started bumping off his own people, Anthony Little Tony, Barcelino, and Gerald... Get this, yes, Jerry, sir. Jerry the Dinger. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess it could be pronounced Dinger. It's possible. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Jerry the Dinger. Hold on, Vince just came back. I got to give this to him again when he gets his headphones back on. Hang on, we got to wait for this, Vince. Real time. We 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 are now uh, extending this um, bloodbath to uh, this this guy's inner circle. To cover his own tracks. And one of the dudes that gets hit, his name is the best nick. I only waited for you because you're the nickname guy. The <laughs> best nickname of today's episode is Gerald Jerry the Dinger. Wow. Uh, Carusiello. Carusiello. Because of um, all the dinging, Vince. He's he was always getting into little fender benders, mm -hmm. you know? He was just always hitting parking meters and stuff. Just yeah. real poor driver. Had really good at eyesight. baseball, too. He was hitting mm -hmm. dingers. All yeah. down he the, was, you know, the left field line. Always riding around in a little boat. It was pretty weird. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Which the dinghy for the dinghy. Uh, but uh, they got they got a pretty uh, permanent attitude adjustment mm -hmm. in the uh, form as, of a bullet to the back of the head, mm -hmm. like execution as, style. As Big Tuna is covering his tracks. Noel, did anybody get arrested? Was no, justice ever done? No, sir, it wasn't. Um, it, uh, in fact, uh, this is interesting. One of the slain individuals who are part of the 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 the, the crew, uh, their eyeglasses were actually found in a safe inside the very home. Uh, oh with, with, shit! Uh, a, a Cardo's home. Um, years later, during a raid, but, bring me wow. a piece of each of them. Exactly. Yeah, but his I body, his body was never found. Uh, Big Tuna um, died in 1992. Um, he never was convicted, never went to prison. He served almost 50 years uh, as the head 
of the mafia, the outfit in Chicago, and never did anything more than a little stint. How did he wow. die? Was it mercury poisoning? <laughs> uh, exactly. No, all I've got, all, all I've got here is, is peacefully. So, yeah. um, presumably not. I think mercury poisoning is pretty gnarly. Yeah, um, well, I figured because he was tuna. You know, there's a lot of leaps that made. I saw. I, but we also talked about some other kind of poisoning earlier. Irony poisoning. That's uh, yeah. What it was. Right. This is a okay. poison heavy episode. So, yeah. uh, uh, Cardo. It died in 92 from respiratory and heart conditions. Thank you, Ben. Mm. Ben with 86. the deets. Ben always chiming in with the deets. I love Look that. Look at you, Wikipedia mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I yeah. know, right? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's all on Wikipedia, but I checked the sources and and they're, they're legit. Chicago Tribune has um, an interesting article where they just said, low-key send-off for Accardo. And uh, they... They're kind of painting it as though it's the end of a mafioso era. It certainly and was. They're like it comparing it to funerals yeah. of old. So. He, di he died of a cardiac arrest. Yeah, mm -hmm. so he did get arrested. Mm -hmm. Hey! hey. Should have called this friend bypass. That's so definitely my time. Uh, it's my time and, and our time. Um, I this is a. I can't wait for episode two, you guys. Uh, I can't. We've got two more incredible stories of boneheaded uh, mafiosos and also just boneheaded criminals. I think uh, Vince yours is a little bit more of just like a general crime story. Um, but guys, thank you so much for joining us, and I can't wait to have you back in literally in real time in just a few minutes, but in podcast time, uh, a couple days. I'm so excited. I, I, uh, please, Matt, hold that excitement because we, we got to come in like barnstorming oh, with the next it. episode. So uh, before we sign off, of course, we always like to thank our super producer, Max Williams. Uh, we'd like to thank his brother, Alex Williams, who composed uh, this slap and bop that's playing right now as Vince and Matt tell us where you can learn more about their work and their own podcast, The only Sopranos rewatch podcast that matters. Pod yourself a gun. Yeah, you can uh, you can check us out. Um, you know, on the uh, on that podcast store, whatever your favorite store is, just search "Pod Yourself a Gun," uh, and it is uh, the world's only Sopranos podcast. And uh, you know, you might see some familiar guests there. Uh, for example, uh, Noel Brown was on the uh, first episode of season five this season. So. Uh, so check that out, and you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Matt Lieb Jokes or Twitter at Matt Lieb. How about you, Vince? Uh, I am at uh, Uprocks, where I am the senior film and culture writer. And of course, pod yourself a gun. And we have our other podcast, The Frotcast. Uh, That's right. You can find us at patreon.com slash frotcast. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm at Vince Mancini on Twitter. And yeah, I think that covers it. And everybody will have to tune in to part two where we do explore these mafia nicknames that we are hyping up so much, you guys. We're, we're, we're making some work for ourselves. <laughs> well, uh, usually so you have to contribute to the Patreon to get one of those, but hopefully because we had you on as guests, you'll just give it to us for free. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I have a list, too, so I can hand you guys some some that you might appreciate. I'll work on it. I got home. I want to make you proud. I want to make you guys proud. Uh, but stay tuned for our next episode where we will be diving into uh, some more very, very boneheaded stories of crime. Can't wait to see you. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.